Welcome to Feels Like Home, a home, garden, and design podcast with me, interior designer Sam Strzok. And me, stylist and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Each week, we'll bring you down-to-earth advice to help you create beauty in your living space and vibrancy in your garden. Along with insights and tips from our guests. Plus, every episode, we'll dive into listener mail and help you solve a garden or design problem. So send them on over to us at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. So pull up a seat and make yourself at home. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Yes, we're back. We are back. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Oregon. Spring is almost here. We can feel it. It's uh, a good time to... Uh, talk about cozy bedroom stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was such a beautiful drive from Hood River this mm-hmm. morning. I was just like soaking up the sun and the view and whatnot. And I was like, oh, there's hope. Yeah, <laughs> We're coming out. We're coming out now. So I winter. felt like I was blooming out of my my soil or something yeah that floral it's such a nice drive when it's sunny because then the river looks so blue mm-hmm. instead of gray yes and that's so nice yes it's wonderful yeah so yeah today we're going to be diving into all things primary bedroom and really excited to hear your thoughts on that um because again working on thinking about for our house the next house you know, how to make best use of that space, but also make it a nice little sanctuary, a comfy little retreat from the world. Yes. Um. So really excited uh, to dive into that together today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to kind of start the episode by saying any of those that maybe don't know what the definition of primary bedroom is, it is what we formally refer to as the master bedroom. And that uh, language has shifted over the last couple years in particular as we um, just spend a moment to learn more about the history of the words we're using and what's going on. So I actually had a client uh, come into my office a couple years ago and was like, by the way, Sam, we don't use the term master bedroom anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, that terminology was from uh, the slavery era and referring to the owner's bedroom as the master bedroom. And I was like, oh, dang, I did not know that. So it's not a term that at least within my business we use anymore. So we're committed to not using it. So primary bedroom, primary suite is the new kind of industry standard for that. Um, It can be called a lot of different other things too. I think a secondary one is owner's bedroom, but I I still struggle with the the term owner as well, to be honest. So primary primary bedroom primary bedroom that sounds great and it's so good to even know this because i didn't know about that until you just said it just now like but then when you think about it critically you're like oh yeah obviously that makes sense for that to be the background of that term in like the historical context but i just never thought about it so yeah it's helpful to have someone just be like hey fyi that's not really what's used anymore and you're like okay great i'm so glad i'm aware of that now Totally. Um, yeah. So just putting that out there. So uh, folks aren't confused about what we're actually talking, yes. talking about yes. today. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So let's go ahead and dive into our strides and struggles. And then we can dive into all our bedroom stuff. Cool. Great. Yeah. Um, so I'll kick it off. Um, so for my stride, I finished opening up my photography styling and branding course Woo! so i have like a great new group of students we already did our first zoom meeting last week that was kind of the bonus fun social hour where we just all introduced ourselves and kind of talked about where we're from and you know what we're excited about learning um it was just really fun i just love working with my students and chatting with them and getting to know them and um so it's also nice to have the actual like enrollment period is over because there's a lot of work that goes into you know the marketing side sure and marketing isn't like my favorite thing to do i'd much rather be teaching or taking photos so it feels good that it's like okay the marketing's done now i just get to like nerd out with my students and you know uh create and have fun so yeah that's awesome feels good and then the struggles this has been a literally years long battle (laughs) between us and sugar ants in our house. And, you know, we live in an old house where there's uh, some original windows in the kitchen area. So they're not totally, you know, like super tightly sealed. 
like they would be in a modern home. So they're like wood frame, you know, so in the winter they shrink and there's little gaps. And so there's just always ways for these little sugar ants to get into the house. And they also love living in my house plant pots in the soil, which is like a whole other thing. Because then you have to mix like neem oil with water and water the plants with that. And then also put like that other powder. I don't know if it's like borax or something around the base of the plant. Diatomaceous earth, Jeremy just told me. (laughs) Um, Not borax. (laughs) And that will like help, you know, dissuade the ants. You put that in the saucer below the potted plant. So anyway, it's just like a thing that we're constantly battling like in waves. You know, it'll be like one month, they kind of abate. You're like, okay, I haven't seen an ant for a while. That's great. And then the next month you like open up, you know, a drawer and there's just a bunch of ants on your chocolate bar. And you're like, what the heck? Like, come on. And, uh, yeah, there's just always a new crack that they found to get into the house. So we'll like, you know, cock it or like, you know, put some of the like ant bait, but then they'll find a new spot and a new route. And yeah, it's just hard. Like we have had someone come out and spray in the kitchen around the cracks and stuff too, because it just got to the point where it's like none of our natural traps are working. Like this is crazy. But even then, like that only lasts for a month or two and then they still come back. So I'm just like at this point, I've kind of given up and I'm like, I guess we'll just wait till we're in a house that is totally sealed. And then we can deal with this problem because we just are we're the losers. Like we cannot win this. (laughs) It'll be like when you move out to your homestead, it'll just be like different. problems right so like this actually isn't my struggle but i this is making me think of last week we had to hire the pest control guy to come out because we had like mice trapped in our like framing and so uh, we could smell them Mm. and so we were like this is not good and so he came out and he was like there is a lot of mice like in your foundation and around your house. And so he's like, I definitely recommend some barn cats for you. Mm. Um, And, you know, even we just got, we got a new car in November and even just like in the last couple months, they've like nested on the engine. (gasps) Whoa! (laughs) So we're like, okay, maybe we do need some cats because they, I mean, they're very invasive. They'll chew our wiring. They'll do all sorts of things. Yeah, that's like dangerous if they chew wiring and can cause fire and stuff. Well, in our car, it's a hybrid. So I'm always Mm. like, is that going to ruin the electric motor? I don't know. And that's expensive. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we were like, okay, we definitely need to get some cats. So it won't, may not be ants, but it'll be like the next level of pests. That of comes wild, your way. <laughs> yes. way more wild, crazy animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So <laughs> be prepared. Sorry. Okay. At least it's like outside of the house though. Like it's not like crawling in your chocolate. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Because we had a mouse in our kitchen actually this pa- over the past year as well. But we were able to just get rid of it because there was gapping in the back of our cabinet yeah. that opened up into the wall. And sure. So uh, we just sealed that up tight, and now he hasn't found his way back in. I'm sure he's still living outside of the house or even in the foundation, which is like, whatever, fine. Just don't get in my kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Animals be crazy. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. So then I guess for me, uh, my stride this week is uh, we had a new person start at the office. So lots of businessy stuff lately. But um, yeah, we hired on a new person, and I feel like she is just like, wildly gifted at project management and organization and it's like all the things that I actually am terrible at which I'm sure Eva could validate um (laughs) she would do it really sweetly but it's true so uh that I just I feel like she like walked into my life and is like solving problems that I I don't know she's so sweet and she is great and she's just so organized and she knows systems and processes and um this is definitely her her giftedness. So, you know, I was, she was in the office and she'd only been in there for three days and had like mapped out all of the software that we use and how we use it and like charted how we can better use things or streamline things and kind of made this map. And um, my good friend, Sarah's our accountant. And so she was in there with her and we were kind of all sitting together and she's like, you know, I only dived into this for like three days. So I'm just, just barely dabbling. And both of us like looked at each other and we're like, okay you were like you did more <laughs> done more in three days than i've done in like the last year of my business so thank you and so uh, i literally could cry because she just was like it's it's been the thing that i think you know it's stressful to run a business yeah. it's really stressful to have a team and i grew so much last year that to like cope with that was 
really just me doing the best I could. And yeah. so, um, you know, we were always putting priority on our deliverables and our client work, mm -hmm. obviously, but there's like a ton of infrastructure that goes into when a business grows by 600% in a year. Yeah. So um, it just was, it was a lot and it's really stressful. So I just feel like this is like such a gift to me in this moment. And I'm like soaking up that we have like all the right hands in there yeah. so it's been really good that's a relief for you because now it's not on your shoulders anymore yeah you have someone whose like job it is to keep stuff organized and on track and right the mental load of that being lifted must be like wonderful it's great i feel like a whole new person <laughs> so, <laughs> um but let's see okay so then coupled with that my struggle this week has been okay so my kids i don't know what it is about both of them but they both innately know when time change is coming. It's always been that way. I And I don't know if it's because Granger like lives by crystal cycles and moons and things like that. I really don't know. But uh, they like when we talk about getting rid of daylight savings time, I just want to cringe because my boys self adjust. And so uh, we have daylight savings time in a couple weeks or something coming up. Yeah. And they both are like waking up an hour early already to adjust <laughs> and so i'm like it's six o'clock in the morning you're not allowed to be awake right now go back to bed but they're like no this is morning time and then they are going to bed earlier so they like totally just self-adjust wow. to that hour it's really weird and they do it on both sides of daylight savings so if it's going to be fall you know they end up sleep starting to sleep in later whereas mm -hmm. you know they're getting up earlier now so it's a weird thing but it's always really stressful for jordan and i because we're like why are you guys awake right now please don't be. <laughs> and there's no fighting it. So and Penn is so sweet. When he wakes up, he screams. Oh God. So he's just like, ah, come down right now. So um, <sighs> yes. But then when you go in his room to get him, he's like, hi. And he just Aww. tries to make up for it by being really sweet. But cute. it's six o'clock in the morning. And yeah. it's torturous. So. so early. And I know there are plenty of moms that their kids' normal cycles are 6 a.m. And I like applaud them and commend them for living. But uh, the 7 a.m. wake up for us is like critical. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, that's how I survive. So yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit zombied right this second from them. I'm, yeah. Only a couple more weeks. And yes. then it'll all equalize yes. out. And hopefully... Get back to your normal sleep cycle. Yeah. But yeah, lack of sleep is the worst. Worst. So speaking of sleep. Oh, yeah. Great segue. Yeah. You like that? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, yes. Primary bedrooms. Primary bedrooms. Want gorgeous photos of your home? I've made five beautiful Lightroom mobile presets that will bring brightness and beauty to your space, and you can grab them for free at feelslikehomepodcast.com. So yeah, like, what do you think some of the essentials are in a primary bedroom to make it a really nice retreat, peaceful, like sanctuary from yeah. the world? Um, I mean, I have some rule of thumbs right that mm -hmm. i recommend for everyone that i think contribute to just your overall optimal rest and sanctuary space being serene and peaceful yeah one of the things that i heard a few years back that from i can't remember who i heard it from and i don't think it was a designer it was just somebody i was talking to about primary bedrooms um she said you know i don't keep family pictures or any pictures in my rooms except for me and my partner and i like thought about that for a second and i was like that's kind of weird because i know lots of people that and i had pictures of my family and stuff um in ours but then I, the more i like sat on that the mm -hmm. more i actually was like oh i think this is this is a good thing because i do think that your primary bedroom should be your space it should be your sanctuary space for you your partner or just you whatever um to be able to like leave the world, escape whatever's on your plate, and just dwell for yourself. Um, it's a non-shared space. It's yeah. really just yours. So to keep it that way, you know, you would remove out the things that are the things from the world, right? Yeah. So, you know, family pictures or, you know, just 
pictures of whatever, unless they are like inspirational to you, whether it's yeah. like paintings or, you know, artwork or things like that. Or somewhere you traveled to that's right. like a beautiful destination. Totally. I think just keeping it kind of nondescript or just specific to you as a person mm-hmm. or your partnership, I think is really, really special and kind of makes it be like, a private space. Almost like a sacred place. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. And that's one that I've kind of carried through the last few years in design in my own house, but also in our projects as well. And then I think the other one is work. I, I mean, having work in your bedroom is tricky. So yeah. you have to really set boundaries around how you see it, what it looks like to you. We had to pull in, I mean, in our other episode, we talked about this. Uh, <laughs> we had to pull in our desk into our bedroom. So we, you know, bought a art frame TV so that the monitor looked like a piece of art and didn't just look like an office desk. And yeah. then, you know, making sure that computers and things are put away at the end of the day. So it's really just you know, back to being a bedroom when it's not being used for work. Mm-hmm. And then um, just generally speaking, also making it, removing anything that just stresses you out. So if it's clutter, if it's laundry, if it's, you know, just things piled around you, just move them out of that space. And so I'm not Throw saying, in the closet. yeah, like don't, don't feel like you have to like take on a bunch more work, but just yeah move it to a different space so that your space can be a sanctuary space for you to just go in and retreat mm-hmm. and have calm. So yeah, I think those are kind of the bigger things. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, talking about work in the bedroom too, kind of made me think of that a lot of people have televisions in their primary bedroom. And I don't know, we don't, we never have even, you know, before we were married when Jeremy and I lived together, never had a bedroom uh, with a TV in it. And I feel like it's nice because it also eliminates the time that you don't spend with each other, you know, because like a TV is basically like a little vegetative box that we look at, but we don't look at each other. You're usually just looking at that thing and not focusing on the other person. So, you know, if you do have a partner that you're sharing your room with, I think you might want to consider not having a TV in there so that the time that you guys spend together in that space is really spent together right? rather than with like a distraction. And also I feel like, you know, bedrooms are for sleeping, you know, and relaxing and electronics are for keeping our attention and yep. keeping us awake. And so when you have a ton of electronic devices in your sleep space, I think that also makes it really hard to sleep totally. personally. I mean, if you asked uh, James from JRA Green Building, he would tell you that there's like all sorts of EMFs and things that are emitted through technology. So the more that you have them in your space too, the more disruptive it just is naturally to your body because we detect those things whether or not we can physically feel them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think reducing the number of things that we have plugged in, reducing the number of technology things just in our space is super helpful changing light levels trying to avoid anything that has like you know like a little dot of light to turn on you know like anything like that those things like they disrupt you when you're trying to just like close your eyes and shut out the world so totally i have like my i think my kindle when it's being charged there's like a little ring of like yellow or blue light around the charging port when it's plugged in which you don't notice unless it's pitch black in which case you see that like glow and it's very distracting so like right. i always have to throw like a little shirt or something over it so it like blocks the light yeah. out yeah yeah and like yeah the kind of thinking about how you want to use this space how do you want it to function for you like you know it should also be your place where you kind of come down from being out in a part of the world and transition into that relaxation sleep time and i think one of the best ways to do that um especially in this day and age where you know, we're on our phones a lot. There's a lot, you know, taking up our energy and just kind of making our brains go crazy with all the like lights and buttons and things. Reading is so good at helping your brain come down from being, you know, active and staring at screens. It's been shown to be like the best way to combat the attention deficit issues that come from being on the internet a lot is just straight up reading, like whether you're reading a magazine or a book or whatever. So kind of 
tr- trying to see if there's ways you can incorporate little like reading spaces in your room. So for us, we have end tables, but they're kind of more form than function. So they're just like these pretty stumps. But what I would love to do next time around is have an end table uh, by the bed that has a little cabinet so I can actually store my books in there right sure. next to my bed. I can pull out my books easily because right now they're literally just stacked on top of this like little night table stump yeah. by our bed. So they are like accessible, but I think for neatness and tidiness and ease of access, it'd be awesome to have a little uh, nightstand, you right. know, with a little cabinet with a door so that I can kind of keep them all tucked away. Yeah. Uh, but that's just so nice because then I curl into bed, I pull up my book, sit there, read for like 15 minutes, get really sleepy all of a sudden, and then that's it. Just go to sleep. Lights out. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think also, too, what comes to mind is um, I would avoid super hot colors in a bedroom. Yeah. I think it's, I, I don't know, you teeter on it with like kids' rooms or different things like that, but if your favorite color is red, I don't recommend you put that in your primary bedroom <laughs> when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. So um, red is just like an inflammatory color. There's like times where it can be healing, but not when you're trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really avoiding really hot colors that are going to be stressful to be around. And that can be literally in the form of like your sheets. It can yeah. be in the form of, you know, your bedspread or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily mean paint. It just means that color in general. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're somebody that really loves color, do like rich earthy colors that are like anchored in things that feel soothing to you. Water, earth, you know, greens, um, browns, blues. Peaches maybe. Even like purple is yeah. a great, like a really pretty eggplant color is like a really soothing color too. So I just wouldn't do red yeah. or yeah, really just red. Mainly reds. Yeah. And like also think about when you're lying in bed and, you know, because that's where you're going to be when you're trying to sleep. What are you seeing? Like what's within your visual? And if you're like obsessed with this really bright color and you love it, maybe hang that painting above the bed on that wall. Because then when you're laying in the bed, you can't really lean your head all the way back and look at the wall that's like behind you, basically behind the headboard. Um, So if you're really dead set on something super like a (laughs) rainbow or, you know, something, maybe that's where you could tuck that so that when you're actually laying down, you don't, you know, it's not like in your field of vision and like subconsciously triggering this like, stay awake, ooh, look at all the color kind of sentiment. I think color really is huge in terms of just making a chill space. Like our color palette for our primary bedroom is this really lovely light blue kind of gray color, which to me kind of feels very Mm cloud-like. So in our bedroom is also a former attic. It's like a converted attic space. So when we're up there, I almost feel like we're like in, on our own little cloud. Yeah. It's just so relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> I just love great. that. And bright, I feel like too. Although I think it just depends on the person because I could also see a really dark, like a dark green or like navy bedroom being kind of like a cozy KV type totally. of comforting feel as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. But lighting is important as well. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about bright and dark, like I would say make sure you have really appropriate window coverings so that you know when it's summer and the sun's rising really early that's not messing up with your ability to sleep like we have a skylight right above the bed and so in the summer you're just like oh 5 30 a.m like it is daylight outside and it's like beaming onto you but we have a little piece of fabric on it yeah that's been installed so we can like kind of it's almost like a curtain for the skylight so we use that and that's been really helpful that's great. I think another one too um, is just designing to the five senses, right? Mm. So thinking about, um, and I think there's there's some somebody has talked to me about this before. Maybe it was you, Jeremy. I don't know. I feel like the five senses grounding. Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. What, I knew it was one of you guys. Okay, so the five <laughs> senses grounding, right? But designing your space for grounding you, right? So then thinking about what those five senses are, what the things are that ground you. And then incorporating those into your space so that it just is a grounded space for you to come back to. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like thinking about the textures. So like when, you know, like your bedding and all of that stuff, like making sure it's soft and cozy. The smells, like maybe having a nice diffuser going or just like a scented candle that you light for a little bit before bed. Yeah, all that stuff. And like bedding is such an important part of 
your bedroom as well, like not just for comfort because physically you're going to be laying in there, but uh, visually it's like it takes up a lot of space, the bed. Yes. What kind of um, like bed coverings do you really like just aesthetically, like from a design perspective? I feel like bedding is so subjective. Like it's, there's so many options for it. And I feel like it depends on if you are somebody that likes to make your bed every day and likes it to look clean and put together perfect. Or if you like that sort of messy, I just threw my duvet over and rolled out of bed and it looks fine and inviting that way. So, but I don't know. I tend, I go all over the board on that. I've had really great, you know, experiences with the Casa Luna line at Target and they have really great products. If you're looking for something that's like budget friendly, organic, um, all the way through like Parachute Home in Portland. If you if you can if you have the means to buy that type of bedding, it's beautiful. It's luxurious. It feels really healing and soothing when you sleep in it. So it's just really great. Uh, But also my like random other favorite place to just like low-key checkout bedding is Zara Home. Oh, nice. It's like a random thing. Um, And every time I say it, people are like, what? Zara (laughs) has a home section? I'm like, yeah. And by the way, their stuff is pretty, I feel like most of it is sustainably or ethically sourced or made and it's really good price points. And so um, they're kind of like a hidden gem for bedding. Nice. Yes. That's awesome. Lots of different styles and looks and things. So yeah. I think for the like messy stuff that still looks nice, even if it's messy, linen is pretty yeah. solid bed. So like our bedding is from Rough Linen is the oh, name yeah. of the company. Mm-hmm. And I love them and they're based here in the US and they're awesome. But there's like lots of different linen companies out there now. And linen is na- a natural fiber. Yeah. So if you're worried about using, you know, chemical fabrics, etc., that's really nice. Um, and then in the winter, because linen can be more lightweight, we will put like wool blankets on top and wool is just such a great fiber, like from the Pendleton blankets that are more like patterned to just like chunky woven knit throws on there. Like those look great and they're super warm. So like function and form together is great. Um, Yeah. Those are like my go-tos for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just, Really finding like what makes you feel cozy and mm-hmm. comfortable and incorporating that in there. So spend the money on like really good yeah. options. You know, if you have it, I would definitely recommend like pay for something that feels like it's going to invite you to just rest and retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like quality over quantity. So instead of having like, you know, eight different sets of sheets that are like of poor quality, like Jeremy and I basically have only one duvet cover that's like really good and then we probably have like two or three fitted sheets and then like maybe one or two just like flat sheets um but they're all really good and so like when we're washing one we switch out basically to the other one yeah and i just feel like that's just a good way to make sure you have something nice like cost wise but in the long run it's actually like equivalent or maybe even cheaper because you're not buying all this crappy bedding regularly totally that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah that's great and then i think if you can have seating in the bedroom Mm -hmm. that's kind of nice especially if you have kids i feel like that might be nice yeah we don't really have space for it in our bedroom right now but that's something that i think would be nice a little cozy armchair but you will have room in the new one yes we (laughs) will we will yeah no i agree a cozy armchair and um, just a place again to kind of If you can mentally tell yourself that your bedroom is for you to just seek refuge and sanctuary, then just having a place where you can, yeah, go sit, read, take five minutes. I'll do that sometimes when we've just got like family over Mm -hmm. or, you know, when the kids are like super crazy, I'll just go in my room for 10 minutes and like read or do something yeah, and then come back out. And so just allowing you to take whatever time or mental break you need in whatever form whether it's like in a comfy chair or in your bed or whatever Mm -hmm. i think is super helpful yeah definitely and then like if you have animals and they'd like to sleep in the same room as you like making sure they have a place to go if you don't want them on the bed like making sure you have a nice little like smushy bed that's like tempting enough for them to get off of your bed and (laughs) go sleep there do your dogs 
sleep in your bed with you. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. In the winter, yes. In the summer, it gets pretty warm up there. Yeah. Um. So one of our dogs, Sequoia, will just sleep on the ground. But yeah. Ralph is like dedicated to the big bed. So he'll just like sure. sleep on top of the blankets instead of under them. But they're yeah. also so small. You know, Ralph's a chihuahua. Sequoia is only like 18 <laughs> pounds. So yeah. yeah. I think it's also worth noting, like when you have a family, this is, I mean, we don't have to get deep into this, but Obviously, there's a lot of family structures where people are incorporating their kids into their primary bedroom. Yeah. So, you know, if you are somebody that totally loves the co-sleeping and doing that, um, I still recommend you create a sanctuary space for yourself then. Mm -hmm. So if that means you're like setting up a different bedroom for you to just like have a break from kids, life, stress, whatever... I highly recommend you do that because I don't, I mean, I, as a designer, we don't care one way or the other how you choose to like arrange your family. But I can tell you that most of the time when people are co-sleeping, there is, it's, there's a struggle for the parents to feel like they have any personal space then. Yeah. So, um, if you have an extra bedroom and you're like opting for a nursery plus your kids are sleeping in your room, maybe don't do a nursery and really yeah. just like go all into the commitment of co-sleeping, move that crib into your room and then create a second space for you to retreat in so that it's just yours. That's a really good um, idea. So just worth noting, like yeah. I, I'm not advocating one way or the other. I just think it's important that as parents, you do have a sanctuary space, whatever that looks like. Yeah, definitely. And then that kind of makes me think about like accessibility too. Like if you know that, you know, you want want to have kids or you have a small child, like positioning the bed in a way where if you have to have a crib in there for a period of time that yeah. you could fit like a little one because they right. make smaller ones for when they're like infants and whatnot, but that you, you know, can fit that on one side or... You know, if you are thinking really long term about a house that you plan on growing old in or you have older family members that might be moving in at some point, like can a walker fit next to the bed between like the bed right. and the wall so they can get themselves in and out of bed easily or yourself if that is you just you know, that's something that we've thought about with our future house because you were the one, Sam, that was telling me about thinking like, well, if this is like your forever home, like you really have to design long term. Like, right. you know, how are you going to get up and down the stairs? Can you maybe even install like a, little, a tiny elevator shaft someday when you're like, you know, 80 or whatever, you right. know, whatever. And right. it's like, those are actually really important things that I feel like many of us don't think about until you're there. Right. And it's like, well, I think that's driven by the consumer market here yeah. in America. And so we we think about what our needs are for a house based on what our needs are for today. Right. Yeah. So we're purchasing a house. Our the ownership length of that house is fairly short. Whereas people historically, you know, they bought a house and that was their house for life, or maybe had two houses, you know. Mm -hmm. We see much shorter time frames and just a lot of moving. So it's super critical when you're thinking about homestead housing or long-term building that you're thinking like what is my life gonna look like down the road and how do I design around that mm -hmm. for sure yeah totally and then just you know I think part of keeping the bedroom feeling like an oasis is trying not to have too much stuff everywhere right. like even if you are a messier person um which I am I'm I, well I don't know I wouldn't say I'm messy but I would say I'm cluttered I have a tendency to like collect things yeah if that makes sense and then you're, you're so busy that sometimes the things just pile up and then you're like okay like it's been like two weeks i really need to like fold all of this right um but if you i find that if i don't have like a place to put stuff that's like organized that's how that starts in the first place so right. i feel like just laying a good groundwork for yourself of storage options really helps prevent a lot of that clutter from building up in the first place or at least that's how it is for me yeah so, you know, just making sure you have dedicated drawers that have like clear purposes and you're like aware of what the purpose is, um, you know, try to create some good storage options in your closet, which, you know, you use the Ikea one. Right. And you said that was awesome. And it's like super affordable, too. Yep. So in our primary bedroom, um, I might have mentioned this before, but I will mention it again, talking about bedrooms. Um since ours is a converted attic, there's like the eaves that go down to the 
the side, almost like an A-frame, you know? And so it was walled in, but just totally empty space. So when we renovated the bedroom, um, because we didn't really have a traditional closet for that bedroom, we just turned all the eaves into closet space. So there's like drawers, you know, it's just lined with cabinets and you have like drawers and then some like curtain rod or closet rods to like hang the clothes off of. Um, So just try to get creative about ways to get every little bit of storage out of that space that you possibly can. So that less is out for you to look at. So you just have this like nice, peaceful, uncluttered (laughs) place that you can retreat to after a really busy long day. And it does help when you are trying to organize a space if you mentally tell yourself what that space is for. So if you say, this cubby is for shoes, this cubby is for socks, whatever. If you define it, then nothing else goes in there except those things. Whereas if you just have storage and you're like, I'm just going to put this away. Then what tends to happen is we just put things wherever and then we keep more, right? Mm-hmm. Because we just fill every hole with whatever we have. So if you f- if you tell yourself, like I said, if you uh, kind of give yourself a rule of like nothing will go in this space except for whatever it is that you want. And even if it's, it's empty, you know you're not putting anything in there except for that thing. Yeah. Then it also just helps to like decrease the clutter to and help you get rid of it because then you'll know like oh this space is full so i probably have enough of this thing whatever it is sweaters like uh books whatever so yeah um just limiting the storage to a to a designated thing mm-hmm. i think is helpful i think that under bed storage is really great too mm-hmm. and there's so many awesome and beautiful bed options out there now that have great drawers under the bed totally which is awesome because then you don't have to worry about like vacuuming under the bed if it's just empty and gathering dust under there. And also it's just another way for you to store things right? and have them handy. Like that could even be a book storage spot where yeah. you could have, you know, your blankets or sheets under there. So it's really easy to swap out the sheets on the bed too. Um, yeah, I really love that. I feel like you and Jordan could talk about books all the time. Like <laughs> My husband, Jordan, he is a book collector. We have many, many bookcases of books. And I feel like every time you talk about more storage for more books, I think about <laughs> I think about him and how that's pretty much our life in our house yeah. too. So, I mean, yeah. you've been to my house. Like there is a bookcase oh in every Yeah, room. there's lots of books and I love it. That's so, one of the first things I come on. I was like, oh my God, these are such pretty bookcases. I love yeah. all your books. <laughs> we have lots of books. So. Uh. Um, And then I think another one of the other kind of random things as I was thinking about primary bedrooms um, was putting things in there that make you think about what your goals or like what your um, hopes are for your life. Mm. So, for example, with Jordan and I recently, we've been just talking about what it would look like if we wanted to take a summer and like go live overseas and go back to Singapore and take our boys there and um because we lived there for a little almost two years when back in 2012 and so we just thought it would be like really special to take our boys back there and so as we've thought about like how would we do this for me to take a couple months off work and like how do we arrange our life around this dream um my gal that's been helping me through like different dreams and goals and wellness endeavors she was like place things that remind you of singapore in your room so that you guys can dream and like remember those things and so you know we pulled out some of our favorite things from our travels during that time and just like put them around in our room and um i have like two photo albums from our time there and like pictures that we collected and they're not pictures of us they're pictures of like architecture and things that we were inspired by yeah and so we you know got those out and put them in our room and so just like bringing the things in your space that are helpful to you like thinking about visualizing or manifesting whatever your hopes and dreams are for the world um i think it's just helped us at least to like keep talking about it and keep working towards it so without it feeling like work you know, it's more like an inspiring thing. Yeah, without it being like a reminder of the thing that you have, like that things that you have to do. It's more right. just like right. Yeah, and I think um, also thinking about this, going back to when I said like don't put pictures of your kids in your room. Uh, <laughs> I will say I 
I put crystals in my room because my son loves crystals. Mm. And so I think there's ways that you can like put things in your space that remind you of like your kids, your family, whatever, without it being like my son's face on the wall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yes, I just thought I should add that. (laughs) My children do have presents in our room, just not not their faces. Well, and also it's like their presence in every other space of the home. It's okay to have one place where it's just you and, and or your partner. Well, and it's, I think it's even goes beyond like seeing the crystal, like my son loves crystals. So like that is just a sweet thing for me to like see and remind me of him rather than it just being like a picture of him totally so yeah it's it's, like has a deeper meaning yeah so just really focusing on like bringing in the things that like really inspire you and and that have those like really special moments yes like yeah i have a lot of pieces like that in my bedroom actually like pottery from ceramicists that i've befriended over the years and like knowing that they made it with their hands or like little paintings that i've collected from various trips i like to get paintings when i go to other countries um just like small ones but like it's just nice like i have one from croatia that's really small that i got from this like street artist He he was just an older guy that was painting just like tons of paintings so he like had it all set up on this in this like town square and so um i just have it on my shelf that I have above my bathtub. So when I'm sitting in my bath, I can just like look at the little like painting of this little courtyard. Yeah. Um, and it's just so, it just like brings back all the good, good, relaxing, happy feelings. And then speaking of like good feelings, one thing that I think is really important for bedrooms is like a sense of privacy and safety. Yeah. So I would really recommend window coverings for sure like any kind just so that you feel like you can have that nice private space to you know change and whatnot and not feel like someone could see you especially uh if you live in a neighborhood you know like a place where people might be walking by with their dogs like whatever you can do to kind of create that sense of safety and privacy if you have kids i don't know what your thoughts are but i would want to lock on my door is that like normal um I think it it's 50-50. Yeah. I don't have a lock on my door. Actually, we, I mean, we have a door that we got from Morocco. And so it's vintage. It's like a vintage piece, yeah. but it actually had a lock on the outside. So Granger for a while loved locking us in our room. <laughs> and so we were like, that's not funny anymore. Yeah, so so we actually had to like bolt it down. But anyways, um, yeah, I think mm. for us, it's funny. Um, people have said, clients of ours and people that have worked with us have said like oh sam loves a good like temple door as you go into a primary suite because it's i feel like it's like this clear delineation of like sanctuary so i love finding like temple doors or vintage doors or like a really special door that kind of denotes this is the primary suite but at any rate um 50 probably have locks on their doors and i think it's probably just like people concerned that kids may walk in during like private time quote unquote um but i don't know it hasn't happened to me so yeah yeah we have audio monitors like in our kids' rooms so because we're a two-level house and Mm -hmm. so when we moved the boys into their rooms i wanted to be able to hear when they got out of bed so that i could um know if they needed something or whatever so granger he's six he has an audio monitor it's like a walkie-talkie essentially it's one way but he knows like it's sitting next to his bed and he knows if he needs us he can say like mom can you come help me or whatever and then we'll come upstairs and help him so my kids just don't get out of bed to come to us they just call us so i think you can do that like establish privacy by just defining like if you need us just call us this way yeah but if you're worried about it a lock totally makes sense yeah no worries and then just like sound barrier wise like i really love rugs in rooms Mm -hmm. because just especially a bedroom you want to have that nice kind of transition from the cozy bed that's super soft to like the rest of the world so if you don't have a carpeted bedroom um and you have hardwood Having a rug is really nice because it kind of is a good transition. Yep. Just like softness. And then sound barrier wise, any sort of fabric really helps. So like if you have an old house where, you know, the ceiling's thin, the walls are thin and you don't want to hear like stomp, stomp, stomp of like someone walking around upstairs, just put a rug down and that's really going to help muffle any sound too. Well, and I think um, 
just privacy in general and security in general, you know, don't put your head or your bed on a wall that's sharing another bedroom wall, you know, make sure that you have more space between that. We generally don't have a primary suite touching another bedroom. It Mm -hmm. just doesn't make people feel comfortable. Um, Most of the time the concern is noise from parents into kids' bedrooms, (laughs) again, (laughs) privacy, uh, private time. So it's this is all stuff that we get into in in our sphere. We know a lot of our clients' habits and things. And so uh, we do our best to just like tackle those things with grace and dignity, but also (laughs) like these are very real conversations where you're like, I don't want my kid to hear this or this. And so, um, you know, just like creating privacy through, we will often design closets to go anytime. Actually, we talked about this at your house, like mm-hmm. put closets in between two bedrooms to just like let the closet be the thing to buffer the noise between bedrooms or, yeah, um, yeah, don't, don't put your bed next to the wall that shares if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think also on private, on the privacy thing, I would not place a, headboard on the same wall as the entry point into your bedroom Mm. so that there's something kind of subliminally or unconscious about being able to see when somebody's going to come into your bedroom so if you can place your bed in a way that should there be an intruder right you you would see it first instead of it being like kind of behind you Mm -hmm. uh that just helps you feel relaxed and calm so yeah it's very similar we have these types of conversations when it comes to toilets too like they're very vulnerable (laughs) and it's like a very people really care about privacy and like the optics of where you can look when you're sitting on a toilet so this is all like there's a lot of uh, psychological cues that like help you feel at rest and one of those is just like having the point of entry be in a direct line of sight so that you can respond if you needed to in an emergency that totally makes sense and like you know, going a couple steps back to like sleeping and coziness, I feel like lighting is really important too. So, you know, we had talked about this on another episode, but just mentioning it again, um, the tone of your light or right. like the color cast. So warm light is better in the bedroom than like daylight balanced bluish uh, right. white LED because that mimics sunlight, right. which can kind of mess up your body's natural cue to fall asleep. So try to use warm lights in there and i think just diffused light in general too like we have a chandelier in our house that has or in our primary bedroom that has exposed bulbs and then we also have uh, side table lamps and generally speaking we don't turn that on before bed um because you can see the bulb and i think sometimes it's just bright just seeing it even if it's low like ours are dimmable but just seeing the bulb itself is more stimulating than seeing diffuse light through like a lampshade or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just really trying to create layers of different lights, but especially allowing diffused soft light, warm soft light, mm-hmm. then I think that's totally a win. Yeah. And having it accessible within reach of the bed. Yes. So like even if you don't have a built-in, you know, switch on the wall that's right next to the bed, just have a lamp on your side table so that you can reach and that's like the last light that you turn off right. because I feel like in other places where I've lived or setups that I've had when the way to turn off the only light is to get up walk turn off the light by the door and then walk all the way back to the bed in the pitch black kind of just feels creepy and right. is not a great feeling to have right before you settle into bed <laughs> you don't want to feel creeped out immediately right maybe that's just me because i'm a big baby and i'm like afraid to walk no. around in the dark but well i just think overhead light in general is not great yeah. for you to be having when you're trying to rest you yeah. know even if it was like soft dimmable overhead light i think there's something to be said about it just being like level with you when you're sitting down versus mm-hmm. it just being on top of you yeah As a designer, is there any type of bed, just thinking about beds themselves, that you would avoid or like that have downsides that people not think of like sleigh bed versus like four post bed versus like, you know, all that stuff? Um, (laughs) There are all sorts of things that go into deciding beds. Uh, We could have an entire episode about that, but it would have to be like 
rated differently. So we have these conversations <laughs> again in our office, but, um, but yes, there's all sorts of thoughts about that. Um, I would say, you know, generally speaking, people don't tend to like footboards. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, if you're tall or if you are somebody that like slides down into your yes. bed when you're like getting into bed and or like work your way down when you're sleeping, don't get anything with a footboard. So and it just feels different. Like I got a mini couch to sit at the end of our bed and I have like a metal four poster bed in our room. And even just putting that like little mini couch right there, I have a footboard, but it feels totally different now that that's there. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why it feels so different. I'm like, this did not change any of the function of my bed, but it just feels different. Like it feels more nestled in. Yeah. And so I think it's really just about what sort of feeling like if you are somebody that really needs to feel private a four post bed or like a framed bed actually could totally do that for you mm -hmm. and would feel really secure and safe um but if you're somebody that's like no i don't like my feet touching the end and i also just like you know i'm not concerned about that then just like a regular yeah headboard bed i also don't recommend going cheap on beds or yeah. bed frames uh <laughs> because they just yes they they are rickety yeah and make lots of noise so <laughs> i don't recommend it anytime mm -hmm. people find clients of ours are like i love this bed and it's like cheap from wayfair no, no offense uh we're no. like no you have no. to have like a sturdy bed yeah you can get like a cheap dresser maybe yeah but not the bed not the bed yeah and then just thinking like aesthetically too i feel like without a footboard the bed feels like more open especially if you have a smaller bedroom right. i feel like the visual impact of that is going to be even more obvious like without the footboard i feel like you see the bed everything just feels more open whereas the more stuff and blockades that are basically like added to the bed right the more blocked off it can kind of maybe make the space feel sure in a smaller room yeah I like I also like that ours we don't have a footbed and so I can approach the bed from like three different sides and right. like throw myself onto it or whatever yeah. like just fall over onto it and like ah like relax instead of just having to like then walk around to the other side which isn't that much but I don't know it's just kind of nice yeah. being able to be like eh, can no like I'm not gonna lie that's like totally a thing yeah so it's all good I can only throw myself on two sides so <laughs> you know I'm one side down so <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah yeah well i feel like you know we covered a lot of bedroom topics but yes. again like our kitchen episode i feel like there's potential for a part two here because there's yep. just so much to talk about um with that but yeah that was really fun lots of food for thought again yes. for future bedroom ideas or even like you know the nice thing about what we talked about i feel like is 99% of it is stuff you could do to your existing space, totally. you know, just like rearranging some things, etc. Right. Yeah. Shall we dive into our listener question? Let's do it. All right. So I feel like you might have mentioned this a little bit already, but uh, Lynn Webra is the handle uh, asks via Instagram. Do you have any favorite sustainable furniture brands? Yeah, I feel like. There are lots of re readily available options through West Elm, Rejuvenation, Restoration Hardware. Mm -hmm. You just want to look for that FSC certified rating yeah. on those pieces. Or um, there's a couple other uh, certifications like ethically sourced or things like that. But FSC would tell you that the wood used on it is sustainably harvested. Mm-hmm. There's honestly even FSC furniture at Target now, which is great. Yeah. So most of what I'm thinking about are things that are accessible direct to consumer. Yeah. A lot of times our furniture that we're purchasing for our projects are actually trade only. So we have other private lines that we source sustainable furniture through, but you would have to get them through either a designer or uh, if they are also sold on big box retail kind of websites, mm -hmm. which... Many of them are. So we use a company that's called Four Hands, and uh, it's a trade-only company, but you can also purchase them through Pottery Barn, West Elm, things like that. They're oh, listed cool. on their website. So I think it used to kind of be 10-ish years ago that Pottery Barn, West Elm, and those companies were, Williams-Sonoma, were creating their own furniture. Mm -hmm. It's uh, less of that now. It's more 50-50. So a lot of those um, 
sustainably created furniture lines are being sold through those companies. Oh, that's cool. That's so, so nice. Yeah. So I would d- definitely check them, but just look for that FSC certification. Mm-hmm. And then I also really believe that sustainable furniture, like the definition of it, can also just include vintage pieces yes. like salvage. Um, go to your antique shop and save something from the landfill. That mm-hmm. is just as sustainable mm-hmm. as chopping down a new tree to make a new piece of sustainable furniture. Totally. So, Estate sales. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, my favorite pieces that we found that I'm like most passionate about or excited about are the pieces that are salvaged. Yeah. So, were they made sustainably in the 1900s? I don't know, but I would think that the trees were more sustainable or something <laughs> then. So, uh, well, like but it's said, preventing waste. Yeah, totally. And resources used to make something new. Right. Yeah. So, those are my kind of my favorite places to look. What about do you have any? I was going to say like estate sale vintagey stuff. So, yeah. yeah, totally on board with that. And then I guess other ones, I think the best thing to do too is look at local furniture makers as well because they're probably more likely to be sustainable than a lot of the like super big box store other than you know what you're saying like look for that fsc certification but if you really like want to know where stuff is sourced look at a local furniture maker in your area and then you can straight up just talk to them about how they're sourcing their stuff how they're putting it together Obviously, it's going to be a lot more expensive, Um, but if you are down to invest in like a really beautifully made piece that's been crafted with love and care, that's something that I would look into as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like our team will probably be going to market in January. So that's like nine months from now. But the big point of discussion for our team is what brands can we bring in that are committed to sustainability efforts? So We'll have to do a follow-up episode on this post-market and get more info about what lines are diving more into that. Yeah, that would be really helpful, really helpful, because I think that's something that most people are really curious about because they want to buy more sustainably, but it can be hard to find find those pieces and know, you know, which companies are committed, et cetera. So I think that's going to be a really good idea. Totally. Uh, and then so our second question is a garden question from Ulu Lives Olivia on Instagram. And she asks, if you're building raised beds on grass, can you cover the grass with cardboard, put your raised bed frames down and fill with sticks and green debris and then top with soil? Or do you have to remove the sod? So for people who don't know what sod means, that's another word for like grass. Um, no, definitely don't remove the sod because sod, once it's covered up when, and then kind of dies, it's so great for uh, nutrients going back into the soil. So you don't have to worry about pulling up the sod. Just leave it on the ground, throw your raised bed on top. You honestly don't even probably need to put the cardboard down if you're going to be covering it with sticks and like other woody debris anyway, because that will kind of help. The weight of that would, I think, keep the grass from being able to grow through and then just leave it. Yeah. And put then put the dirt on top. So also what she's kind of talking about here is a gardening method called hugel culture, which is the idea that you have layers of nutrients hmm. in your soil. So it can be within a raised bed, like what Olivia is talking about, or it can be uh, rounded above ground, like a big hump. And so the idea of hugel culture is you start with um, larger pieces of wood on the bottom, not like that big, but not like a tiny twig. So maybe it would be like a branch that's like around four inches in diameter, et cetera. You start with some of those at the bottom. Then on top of those, you'll put maybe some skinnier branches. So maybe ones that are, you know, only like half an inch thick. And then you can layer with some mulch, like some leaves and things. And then you put your soil on top of that. And so the idea is, this is beneficial for a few reasons. First, pieces of wood at the bottom act like a sponge. So they're going to soak up and hold onto moisture. So that's really great for in the summer in a raised bed. You know, the plant's roots can grow all the way down into the root uh, wooden area and be continuously drying up that moisture that the wood is holding onto. So that's really cool because then you don't have to water as much. And then also... The wood starts degrading. And so now oh, wow. it's slowly releasing these nutrients and breaking down into the soil. And it's great for beneficial insects like worms because now they have something to eat and break down and like have their little 
beneficial little fertilizer going everywhere. And same thing with beneficial fungi too, because then you have good fungi going on with the the like leaves and wood that's breaking down. You know, fungi is so important for a healthy root system for plants because you know, there's been so many studies that have shown that uh, you know, mycorrhizal fungi grow and interact with the roots of a plant and they trade nutrients back and forth. So it's so important to have some extra food for the fungi to eat down there to really um, kind of draw them into that growing area. So I love that Olivia was already kind of on on board with putting those branches at the bottom of her bed because I really recommend that for everybody if you can. Put some branches at the bottom of your raised bed if you're building some this spring um, before you put the soil on top. But I will also <laughs> say with branches, don't put branches from a plant that you've just trimmed they should be dead because some plants can just take root yeah. in soil. So like my grapevine, for example, I just trimmed it. I should definitely not put my grapevine trimmings at the bottom because then I'll have grapes coming out of my <laughs> bed. So make sure you're using kind of older dead branches that have been sitting outside for like a month or so first, just to be safe. But that was such a good question. It's great. That. Good job, Olivia. Um, yeah, so that's everything for today, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, talk later. Bye. Bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. You can find our show notes with resources and links at feelslikehomepodcast.com. For design advice, send in your listener mail at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at feelslikehomepodcast. The Feels Like Home podcast is produced by Jeremiah Flores and hosted by interior designer Sam Strzok and styles and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay cozy, friends. Mm-hmm.